Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome to the 2019 first episode of Pool House Hockey. We got Brian yeah. here. Got Evan over here. Um, we're uh, we're back to our schedule of what recording once every three months or so. Hey, I mean the standard is expected. Our viewers, our listeners, know that uh, our podcast can be far uh, and few in between, but when they do come out, they are they're gems. So, you gotta savor what you get, right? Hey, we definitely appreciate you guys that are they're still hanging around, still looking forward <laughs> to the, the the pod. Um, but so you we, know, I've kind of settled down. We've all settled down. Yeah, we have. Yeah, essentially and the so, third member. I don't know if it's fair to call him a guest anymore because this this person has been on what at least two or three of our last four episodes. So, yeah. welcome to uh, the third host, Robbie. Uh, hey everyone, thank you for having me on again, Brian and Evan. And hopefully, it was because the audience demanded it. Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> if that's if that's what you want to go with, it's fine by me. <laughs> Well, uh, we want to jump right into like the big news of, uh, of I guess, the last week or so, and that's Corey Perry's practicing with the Ducks again, boys. So I think we can do a whole hour on that, and that will please the people. What do you guys say? No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No. Go ahead, Brian. Right, let's talk about it. No, uh, okay. I just – it's funny because the the ducks, you know, for the past couple seasons, yeah, they've they've done well, but they they have this argument of like, oh well, we've never reached our peak because our players have gotten injured, whether it's Eves or Kessler or Perry, and those are all considered sort of like they consider them key pieces to the equation, or even I think Getzloff a couple years back, but it's kind of funny because you look at the age of those guys that are the key pieces, and it's kind of like. Well, those those probably shouldn't be your key pieces anymore. You should start kind of waning them out <laughs> little by little. Yeah, exactly. Or but, all at once because they all have like old people uh, injuries, like an arthritic hip in the case of Kessler or, <laughs> or Perry like blowing out his MCL just because he like took too hard of a stride. It's uh, dark times in yeah. Anaheim. Yeah. But – you know, there's more uh, interesting stuff going on in the league. So why don't we talk? We go down the freeway a little bit and, and keep it local here for you and me, Brian, and talk about uh, the trade that went down, the big trade uh, between the Kings and the um, Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs get their defenseman in Jake Muzzin from the Kings. And do you have the package handy, Brian? I know it was like a first-round pick. It was a prospect defenseman. Yes, let me see if um, I can uh, pull Sean Dersey and forward right Carl Grundstrom. So, yeah, so yeah, so, Jake Muzzin in exchange for Carl Grundstrom, Sean Dersey, and their first round pick. Right. So you guys were in the in the text or on Twitter or whatever saying how you thought that was a pretty steep price to pay for. Uh, Muzzin. So why don't you why don't you guys talk about that a little bit? Why do you think that was a bit much? Well, my my thought process going into it was from at least a Toronto side of things. I feel like Jake Jake Muzzin, yes, uh, gives them kind of what they want in in a, a like a 
lockdown top pairing type guy. Um, sure. But he is sort of higher up there in age. He's 29. Um, right. He'll be 30 next month. Um, and his production this season isn't great. Granted, he was playing on the, I think they're the bottom of the league, uh, LA Kings. Worst, yeah, worst scoring they team are. in the league. Yep, they are. Um, so, but it, I think in my mind, what I thought when looking at it was what else was possibly out there. Um, especially for giving away a first-round pick. So you look at a team maybe like uh, Detroit or New York or uh, uh, like who else is tanking, Robbie? Help me out here. Uh, Chicago, Ottawa. um, Okay. Maybe you could maybe make a deal with Edmonton. Oh, that would never happen. (laughs) Yeah, nope. But, uh, but hey, they're, they're, they're kind of tanking, so you want me to just name off some tanking no, teams. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Um, but, yeah, no, you look at any of those teams and you got to think, do any of them offer maybe a better defenseman than Jake Muzzin? And do they, though? That's a good question. I mean, like, let's go down those teams, right? So I'm just going to pull up the the standings here, right? So you go from the bottom of the league. Does Ottawa have a better defenseman they're willing to part with? Um, well, they have Thomas Shabbat, but there's no way he's going anywhere, right? Um, Chicago, it, I don't think Duncan Keith's better, right, at this point in his career. Uh, Detroit, Robbie, you can tell us. Do they have any better defenseman than Jake Muzzin? I'd probably Period. say, I'd probably and, say no. And anyone they'd part maybe, with. Maybe if anyone, they'd probably maybe be tempted to trade away Mike Green because I think that's where they would get the most value out of terms of defensemen. But in terms of like, if I had to choose between Muzzin versus Green at this point, I'd probably choose Muzzin. Sure. Devils, same thing. Florida, they're not getting rid of Ekblad, and they don't have anyone else you'd like. So I do think that amongst teams that were pure sellers, uh, it, it seems like Muzzin was your guy, unless you're thinking that you can pry Petrangelo or or Pareko out of St. Louis. What about looking at uh, what they're working with in uh, Philly? Philly's not doing that great. They got some good defensemen. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that Jake Muzzin was a bad choice. I'm just saying right. they they probably could have gotten him for maybe a second and like a sixth. Um, as and hold on to their first. I understand why. Like if 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 I'm a Toronto fan, I'm completely okay with this because Toronto is in a win now mentality. And they need to basically – that first-round pick isn't going to do them any value. They're not going to get much value out of it because it's going to be a late-round pick, and so you're not getting the top of the crop in regards to players of the draft. Yeah, whoever you pick isn't going to be ready in this window. Right, and so like in that that, that sense, I'm I'm saying Toronto, from a fan perspective, great move. I think just in my mind, I was kind of like, oh, that seems a little steep for a guy like Muzzin, um, especially when you think of – I think L.A. defenseman, Muzzin's not necessarily the first or second guy you're going to think of. Um, I mean, I, I, I would say he's probably their top three. I, but, I mean, maybe it's me just being a Ranger fan. I think Dowdy and then I think uh, Martinez. Yeah, just because he scored that golden goal. And, and I mean, hey, he's going to ride that forever. But sure. in my mind, that's who I picture of like, oh, who are the Kings' top defensemen? Looking at his numbers compared to other defensemen across the league, he's having a decent season, 
not a great season, but I guess for the team he's on, he's doing well. Um, right. But I think as far as like penalty kill or power play, he, he will definitely add to like power play two, um, being that like solid defenseman to go on the second power play uh, or top, top pairing uh, penalty kill defenseman. And then someone you can work uh, either in your top pairing um, if you're Toronto or sorry, I'm kind of lagging here. Um, Toronto is in the east. Not my laptop is struggling. Um, yeah, but just in regards know. to the the other defenseman Toronto has, uh, I feel like that'll help kind of check down some players um, that might have been playing up on on defense. Yeah, I I'll say. For that, when I saw it, I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, oh, that does seem a little high for Muzzin. But then I kind of looked into it. And I think by uh, Corsica's rating, so like by the advanced metrics, he is rated as like the... Hold on, I'm, I'm going to bring it up. But I want to say he's like the 13th or 14th best left defenseman. 15th. He says he's ranked number 15 in the league amongst left defensemen um, based on like an amalgamation of his uh, his stats. Um, I think overall he's something like 32 or 33. So he's like a high end number two defenseman still. Uh, He was, I think, a little better than that before. But either way, so to give up a first round pick for that makes sense. The prospects they've got. Um, Grundstrom and um, and how, who was it again? It was like Durzen or something like that. Yeah. Um, they're not like the yeah Jersey. They're not uh, like blue chip prospects. You're not getting the guy with the pedigree like uh, Timothy Liljegren. You're not getting Kasperi Kapanen out of uh, out of the Maple Leafs. So they're not giving up anything off their roster. And like you said, Brian, that first round pick does LA a lot more good than it does Toronto, especially since it's a later round pick, which we think of it as like a first rounder. But when you look at expected value from draft picks, it's about the same as like a middle of the second round pick at that point, like in terms of expected value, you're going to get right. And, and who knows, maybe LA uses that first round pick and, and trades down to pick up a couple second or third picks sure. just to just kind of load back up on their, their prospect pool. Right. So, I mean, and then at least they can go to their fan base and say, Hey, look, we got a first round pick for this guy, even though like you have to assume Toronto's probably going to win their first round matchup uh, and then match up with Tampa after that. So if they don't beat Tampa, which seems like the likely scenario that pick is going to be no later than 20 or no earlier than 23. Right. And then if they somehow do beat Tampa, then it's, it's basically a bottom four or five pick. Right. And, and Hey, I mean, who knows? Maybe five. if, uh, if the Kings for some reason don't win the lottery, they can always use those two first round picks to, to move up. Yeah. Maybe if there's, right? if there's someone, someone they want really want someone there, you know, but I, I thought it was a good deal for Toronto cause they, Everyone said it, right? They need a defenseman. Right, and, and that's kind of one. been something on Toronto for a while now. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, no offense to, to Riley or Gardner, but they just kind of needed depth on for their defense. Right. And, and so I think Muzzin definitely gives them that. Um, like I said, 
don't don't take it the wrong way. I I definitely think it's a good move on both sides. I was just when I saw that first round, it was kind of like, wow, like the Kings got a first round for that guy. Like, yeah, <laughs> that, I would not expect that. Um, well, yeah, and you bring up Gardner, which I think is an important thing in that he's been very good, probably a little better than Muzzin. I think he's like the twelfth rated uh, left defenseman by Corsica's ratings, but. They're going to have to pay him after this year. So if they have to let him walk, well, here you go. You've got his replacement right here in Muzzin, who, you know, he's not quite as good. He's a little older, but he's under contract at a very reasonable $4 million cap hit right. for another year. That just helps with their cap situation. Right. So I think yeah, they're, that's, they're, good. that's helpful too. And, and and the future of that defense is is all on, on – it's Riley. Riley's the – Right. He's your guy. guy. Yeah. So it's kind of you just build around him. Right, but, and you hope that Lil Jagrin pans out. You hope that Rasmus Sandin pans out, and that can be kind of your next wave of kids. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no. Like I said, smart moves by both teams. Just honestly the type of move you don't really see that often, it feels like, in the NHL, uh, where it's just kind of like you look at it and you're like, oh, you know what? That's actually just fine. a good deal both ways. Yeah. This this seems Nobody fair. Up too bad. <laughs> yeah. So, do you guys think that this puts Toronto in sort of the same league as? Uh, I mean, obviously everyone's in the same league, but like in that same <laughs> tier as uh, as Tampa, or is Tampa still far and away the the favorite out of the East? I think um, Tampa is still by far the favorite. I think if anything. Um, this gives Toronto, like I said, I think if if anything, it'll give Toronto a bit more uh, ability on their power play and penalty kill, because um, I think that's where if you're ter- uh, if you're Tampa, you're gonna expose mm-hmm. a team like Toronto, uh, just because Tampa has the depth to have two right. just like power play one A and B, basically is is what they're rolling out. Um, but I mean, when you look at the defensemen and compare the two, um, I mean, I don't tell don't tell Kendall, but I'd rather have Muzzin over, say, a, a Girardi. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know about that, Brian. Girardi, he brings that heart game, right? He's a great locker room guy, and that a lot of grit to the lineup. That that goes a long way. I don't know. I I think Tampa is going to be in the same boat they're kind of in the past couple seasons. Of they're just going to roll through the league. And then it's going to come playoffs, and you're going to have to turn it on. And, and can they flip that switch to be like, all right, shit, like now these games matter again. Right. Because, I mean, we can all be honest. They can go the next month, two months of the season and, and just kind of fuck around and still be fine. Still coast it out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've all but locked up their spot for sure. Well, so let's go from a blockbuster trade that just happened, obviously, uh, what we just talked about. And transition into trades yet to happen, uh, specifically why we did this podcast today, and that is the situation developing in uh, in Columbus. So for anyone not familiar, and, and if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you have to be familiar with this, but uh, Columbus has been unable to extend Panarin and Bobrovsky uh, it seemed pretty clear for a while that Bobrovsky is is on his way out. Uh, there's just it seems an, like an irreparable uh, situation there. 
With Panarin, it seemed like maybe with the season he was having, with the success Columbus was having, that maybe he was starting to come around. But it, it came out a couple days ago that he is unwilling to negotiate a contract extension until the end of the season. So at this point, you kind of have to assume that he's walking in the summer. So we, we had this debate a little bit, boys. And what do you think that Columbus should do? Um, I mean, honestly, if I, if, so if I'm the GM of Columbus, I'm definitely making calls, shopping around to see what I could get. Um, but if, if all I'm getting in return is like chump change, cause every other team knows they can wait out till the summer. Sure. Um, I don't think I'm going to make a move just for the sake of, of making a move. Um, unless I'm getting some some value back in return for these players, uh, I don't really see there being much of a purpose. Um, if any team... I, I really see any team making a move for either of these guys would be in the same boat as Columbus. Right. Um, I don't really see those... I don't really see Panarin, um, depending, I guess, where he goes, shifting the needle too much, um, unless he's going to, like, a Boston... Or, or a Toronto, um, where they're already kind of loaded at the forward position. Um, sure. But if he's kind of going in as like, a, all right, this is the guy that's going to put us over the edge. Like, we're now a cup contender. I don't really see him doing that to many teams because he hasn't done that here in Columbus. Like, that's what Columbus wanted him to be. That's what they expected him to be. And he hasn't been that guy, per se. Um, Bobrovsky... I think it's kind of hard just because he's a goalie. Right, he needs um, a goalie. And and if you're in a playoff position, you don't you're you're there because you have a decent goalie, um, right. especially if you're making a cup run and then again, you can kind of make that argument of well, Bobrovsky's got not the greatest playoff numbers, why am I going to bring having him a in a bad to, season? To, yeah. yeah, that too. Um I think goalies are too much hit and miss. I don't really see anybody trading for Bobrovsky. Um uh, just because there's no way of knowing, like, all right, this is a good move or this is a bad move. Um, mm-hmm. Panarin, I think if you if you can get a good enough value in return, go ahead and trade him. If not, ride it out, see what happens in the playoffs, and then you're still in the like you still kind of had the inside track for re-signing him. Like he knows what he's gonna get in Columbus. You can kind of map out. Uh, look, here's what we're gonna do going forward for him. Um, and then his stuff's all there. Like, he's he's comfortable there, you know? Yeah, but don't you think that if they really did have a, a chance to re-sign him, that he would have at least given some indication that that was the case already? You know, I mean, he said outright in the um, in the offseason that he didn't want to play in Columbus anymore. And, like, maybe something's changed since then, but nothing's changed enough for him to put pen to paper, you know, or even be willing to negotiate. Right. A contract at this point. And so, so I, I think you have to assume if you're Columbus's management, sure, we'll be in on him when um, uh, July 1st comes around. But we have to assume, at least internally, that he's not going to be here next season. That has to be the operating assumption. Right. And so then, well, my thought is then if I'm if I'm Columbus management and I know he's doing this and is going to walk and there's nothing i can do to make a change mm-hmm. then 
why don't I just ship him off to some other really shitty team and, and kind of screw him <laughs> over in that sense and be like, fine, here you go. We'll take their assets. You can choose where you want to go. And But, I mean, that's I, – I feel like moving him, it doesn't benefit anyone any because um, you figure anything they get in return, they're not going to get a high draft pick. Um, you're not going to get a guy that can step in and make a difference in your lineup right now the way Panarin would. Does that make sense? Sure. But, um, like you're talking about for Columbus, like going on a run, they wouldn't be able to replace his production. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And so, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily see the point in, in trading him, per se. So he, here's my counter to that, and I think it comes down to one thing, and that's if you're the GM, if you're Yarmo Kekalainen, you're looking at your team right now, and you're asking yourself, I guess the, the main question you're asking yourself is, can this team, as currently constructed, or with uh, an addition, whatever we can afford to add, can we win the Stanley Cup? And I personally, I don't think the answer to that question is yes, because I, I don't think they're even in the same ballpark as your Torontos or your Tampas. Um, I think there's a chance that maybe they could come out of the, the Metro. That seems feasible, but I don't think that they have a chance to win the Cup so it comes down to, is it worth keeping those guys, losing them for nothing, uh, and then having your first ever playoff series win in franchise history? Is that worth basically blowing up the core of your team um, with no assets at all to replace them? If you're asking me, I don't think that it is. I think that if Columbus loses Panarin and Bobrovsky, that takes them pretty squarely out of playoff contention going forward. So what you need is you need something back. Even right. if it's just, you know, give me like a, not even a top line winger, give me a top six winger that can replace some of Panarin's uh, production and give me a pick or give me a prospect that could maybe one day become a top six guy as well. You need something for those guys because if you lose them for nothing, that's just putting yourself in a position to fail in the future the way this franchise has failed since they came into the league. Right, but would not wouldn't wouldn't winning uh, your first playoff series possibly change um, Panarin's attitude about things? I mean. You figure all he's experienced is losing. He wants to probably go to a winner, right? I'm comparing this to, you know, the thoughts of, of NBA players, right? NBA players, they play in a smaller market. They don't get as much exposure. They've they've been on a, a losing team that they can't win a playoff series. They want to move, new change of scenery. That's fine. Um, but my thought is, A, if I'm the GM and I win a playoff series, okay, A, that's extra income you're pulling in sure um but then also it, it kind of puts you in like the good guy position of look what we were able to do and your fan base will kind of i think give you that extra wiggle room to have you know a struggle because then if if they do walk for nothing your fan base goes well you know what that's on that's on the player we we had an opportunity right. but that's like it's not our G, it's not management's fault. They walked away. We were winning with them. We won a playoff series with them. Uh, 
that's on the player. See, I'm with you except to the point where the fan base is excited about winning that playoff round. Sure, you, you probably are because you've never experienced that as a fan. But if you don't win the Stanley Cup, your season ends on a loss. You you have that taste of losing on your mouth still. You're, and You're telling me that the average fan, the average Columbus Blue Jacket fan, would not enjoy a playoff series win. I think they would, but I think you have to look at the end of the season. They're going to they're gonna not be the team that lifts the Stanley Cup, most likely, right? Well, that's, like, that could be said everything for— Everything has to break for them. That could be that's that's going to be said for every other NHL team <laughs> except for sure, one. But every other NHL team is not losing their franchise, both of their franchise players, for nothing at the end of that, right? So you could look at say, I'm trying to think of like, okay, say it's Calgary, right? Yeah, Calgary is a really good team. They're probably not going to win the Stanley Cup, but at least when they end up bowing out of the playoffs. Their fans can still say, look, we still have Johnny Gaudreau and we still have Mark Giordano. We still have Sean Monaghan. We still have all these guys. Columbus, it's like, okay, we won a playoff round, but here go our two best players. And now odds are, are we even going to see a playoff round for the next five years? Right? Is that worth it? You I know, say yes. Lose one way or another. I, I, from my experience, I, I mean, I honestly just think of, of Ducks fans. Uh-huh. Right? The situation in Anaheim, they're keeping people around probably longer than they should because they can sort of make the playoffs. We can agree that probably the past couple seasons they have not been anywhere uh, near being that team that's like, all right, they have a chance to make a cup run and probably should have sold off some of their assets when their value was higher. But because at least making the playoffs kept the fans happy, sure, they're okay, they're content. Right, and sh- sure. I, yes. I think the situations are different, obviously, because, again, the Ducks were going to have those franchise cornerstones around after they lost. And I do think the Ducks were in a better position to win the Stanley Cup during their competitive window than Columbus is right now. Did Columbus uh, draft Bobrovsky? No, uh, Philadelphia did, and Columbus traded for him after like two or three seasons in the league. That so, was that Chris Mason for uh, Bobrovsky was the trade, I think. That's the other thing. I feel like for them to be, uh, I don't know, when I think of a franchise player or a face of the franchise, I typically picture someone that was drafted by the team um, and, and truly to be that cornerstone player because then I feel like the at least the player might have a bit more loyalty to the team or be more willing to, to stick around or, or negotiate. I feel like because Panarin was traded from Chicago, yeah, um, maybe experienced a different type of franchise or way a, a franchise who had recently seen success um, like Chicago, he maybe has a different viewpoint of, you know what, I, I want to be in a win-now area. I really have no loyalty to Columbus. Um Sure. Kind of send me wherever. I mean, yeah, but I guess for every every situation like that, there's also, you know, you're like Robbie can speak to it. You're Joe Thornton's, right? Gets drafted by Boston, but ends up being the face of the franchise, the franchise guy for San Jose or Marty San Luis, who gets shipped out of uh, Calgary and becomes the franchise guy for uh, for Tampa. 
So it's just one of those things where I don't know that it matters necessarily where you come from. The, the point I'm trying to make is that they're franchise guys because without those guys, Columbus isn't anywhere near as good as they've been the last two or three seasons. And as good as they've been the last two or three seasons, that's really only a bubble playoff team, uh, sometimes a little better, but bounced in the first round, you know? Yeah, it's because Bobrovsky's so, been bad. Well, yeah, that's true. But I'm just saying, like, do you even get to that point without Bobrovsky and without Panarin in Probably. your lineup? Like, how how do they do next year without those two they and with nothing with but cap space to replace finish. them? Jonas Corposalo. Come on now. <laughs> Corposalo. Who scores the goals, though? I mean, like, Cam Panarin. Atkinson. Oh, sure. Sure. Cam Atkinson's your guy. Hey, right? NHL All-Star. NHL well, All-Star. Well, I got Dubois for a breakout season, but... <laughs> He's been good this year, but I mean, why has he been good this year? Because he's been playing with Panarin all year. So, like, also, it's kind of know. interesting. I think you, you have to get something from him. I feel like it's it's interesting when you look at this uh, Columbus roster too. It doesn't seem like they really have anybody. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I don't really pay attention to Columbus that often. But it seems like there's no guy that's like. I mean, maybe you have Nick Foligno or Boone Jenner. That's that that voice in the locker room where you're kind of like, "Oh, okay, like this is the the leader of the team." But who knows? Maybe maybe it's the coaching in Columbus. Maybe Panarin's style doesn't fit Tortorella's get in the lane, block the shot style. Yeah, maybe he's just like, "I'm fucking done with this guy." <laughs> but I don't know. I I if I'm Columbus, I feel like. If if they didn't have Panarin or Bobrovsky and Panarin and Bobrovsky were in the same boat for say, I don't know, um, they were in St. Louis, same boat, okay. expiring contract. St. Louis is that border team, and Columbus is is going to make a run, saying, hey, those are the guys that'll make a difference. They would trade assets to collect, you know. Panarin and Bobrovsky are they any better for it who knows yeah and, and so in that case yeah I, I think if you did that if if you ended up trading both of them to like yeah St. Louis St. Louis is probably a playoff team this year they're probably not the favorite to win the cup or anything but I'm just thinking like if you're Calgary and you have a really deep offense you've got a good top end group of defensemen uh, why wouldn't you make a move for, like, a Bobrovsky and, you know, shore up that goaltending because, man, like, Mike Smith wasn't, isn't getting it done this season. And Dave Rich is basically a rookie, so it's like maybe you want someone to fall back on. Uh, and, and why wouldn't you give something up to make your run for it? Because, I mean, Calgary's had those disappointments too, right? So, like, if you feel like your window's now, load up. Or if you're San Jose or you're Vegas or whatever and you feel like you're just not quite there with Tampa, don't you think that Panarin could be that like extra gear that could that could put you over everyone else? Uh, because he's damn good. He's over a point a game. So I, I'm just thinking like there's so, gotta be teams. So in your eyes, willing P- to Panarin, do for him. Panarin is a game like he can take a meddling cup team like vegas we'll use your option of vegas vegas goes and gets panarin vegas is now probably your cup favorite out of the west 
Probably. I yeah, I think if Vegas over Nashville Winnipeg didn't have to give something up. Yeah, I would probably say that that Vegas is Vegas gives probably up my a, favorite to come out of the West. A I, I think second it's and third because Tampa's so good. Like it's hard to pin anyone as like the cup favorite outside of them. But like I do think that Panarin is enough of a difference maker. Like he is a superstar player, right? Like I I think that he makes enough of a difference that he would put whatever if you put him on Nashville, Winnipeg, um Calgary, San Jose, or Vegas, any of those five teams that could come out of the West, they immediately become the favorite, in my opinion. I don't know. Rob, you've been quiet. What do you think about this? Oh, man, I was kind of enjoying you two going back and forth. <laughs> um, so I was actually kind of looking at it from – I always try to put myself in the shoes of first Columbus. So – I personally, based on comments I've heard from mainly Panarin, but also Bobrovsky, I've seen frustration out of him. I'm going to have to say there's clearly something, probably closed doors, that we don't see. It could be Tortorella. It could be frustrating play. It could be many factors, but I think there's something clearly wrong with Columbus for those two players to want out. That, that's what I observe based on the player standpoint. So from Columbus's point of view, when you have two players who really have been Probowski still locked up, right, in a contract, right? No, no, it's his, it's his walk here. It's for both okay, of them. Okay, okay. So both yeah, of them are. Agents. All right, I just had to double check real quick. So they both are going to walk. They both have the option to leave after the season. So if you're Columbus, do you think these two guys really have? give you the best chance of overcoming if this playoffs wanted to end Columbus would have Tampa Bay first then do you no, think yeah. they could really beat them no probably no so at that point then you go to well do I want to at least trade one of them or do I want to make them both walk and just say hey guys we fought hard but this might not be our year and just go from there see how far we go that's the other option. Now, I put myself in because there are really 31 players here. We got the first player, Columbus. We got the rest of the league. So we could probably cut out. I'm looking at the rankings right now. We can probably cut out. We can probably just limit it to just Carolina and upwards. So we can cut out New York to Ottawa. We can also probably cut out probably... Yeah, for sure, Chicago, L.A., but you can probably throw Edmonton and maybe Arizona might be another team that you'll probably cut out. Then you get to their perspective, which is how am I going to view these two players? Because I look at Vancouver, a team that's kind of on the bubble. Maybe they could maybe acquire Bobrovsky for this year. I think that could be a real possibility, along with Calgary, too, as well. And any other team that I think could add goaltenders? Maybe Arizona if they really wanted to, but I'm already just going to cut them out. So that's where I could see Brokowski ending up, but I really don't know if I'm in Vancouver shoes or or maybe even Calgary's. Calgary most likely to make the trade, but Vancouver shoes, I don't know if I would want him to go. And then that gets to Panarin. 
I mean, I agree with Evan. I think he is a difference maker. Now, I don't know if Vegas would be good enough to beat Winnipeg or Nashville or even Calgary and San Jose if they had Panarin. They'd be a better team. But I don't know if they would beat those teams just because I think the West this year is pretty open. And you can argue that San Jose has the offensive power to combat Vegas or Calgary has the offensive power to combat Vegas and along with Winnipeg and Nashville too as well. But that also puts me in another shoes as the as the general manager of the team saying, am I looking for a rental player this year? Or is there a chance that this guy's going to give me more than just one, just this last half of the season? That's what I'm also looking at too. And in that case, how often am I going to give up for, how much am I going to give up for just a, basically just like a one and done player? That's what I'm looking at too as well with Panera. Right, so you trade him. If I'm Columbus, I try to trade him. Yeah. If I'm other teams, I would maybe be hesitant to make an offer. Sure. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Well, it'll definitely be interesting. I mean, hopefully something happens just for the sake of being able to talk about it. Now, if I wanted to put which team I think has the assets to trade for him, it's probably Vegas, most likely. But... Again, it's just going to see where Vegas wants to go, whether or not they really think that, okay, this kid will put me over the top. This kid will really separate me from the rest of the pack. So. Well, it'll make them a cup favorite. Uh, well, but that's the thing, though. Will it, though? Finalist favorite. You know, they, I don't think they I don't think they would. Unless well, they really well, load yeah. out. Oh, so then what's the point? <laughs> if you're not going to win the cup. Yeah, Your season no, ends in a loss. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's where it's like, hey, that, that, that's going to be kind of hard to tell because it's like, hey, maybe Panarin is the missing piece of the puzzle. Right. But, but I, think, maybe... I think the teams that would trade for him, namely those five in the West, like, yeah, those teams have to think, okay, we at least have a shot at winning the Cup. I don't know that you could really say that for Columbus. And, I mean, there's a reason I include, like, Minnesota or Dallas or – or um Colorado, the other playoff teams in the West right now, because I mean those are in the same situation as Columbus. Like, they probably aren't good enough to win the cup. They probably aren't good enough to win the cup even with an addition like that. You know, so does Vegas become the favorite to win? Probably not, but they at least put give themselves a chance. Whereas Columbus, I don't think has that chance with those players in the lineup anyway. And even then too, I was also looking at uh, the New York Islanders too, because that could be an interesting landing point. That would be so very foolish. So, anyway. But that's if they knew they could sign him for a long-term deal after the season, too, as well. Yeah, that's true, which is kind of, I think people are saying that Bobrovsky could end up there, so. And out in New York? Yeah, for for the Islanders. But, I mean, I guess maybe the Rangers decide to get get crazy and just uh, say we're done rebuilding one year. (laughs) But... For sure. Well, let's move on, uh, and we can talk about the other big thing that happened over the last uh, week or so, which was the All-Star Game. Uh, was there anything? I, I don't know how much of it you guys watched. I, I watched the skills competition. Um, I don't know. Did you guys have any thoughts on the game itself or the skills competition? Anything that stood out? Um, Henry Lundqvist, just great goalie, great guy. 
elite, right? Didn't Beautiful you win hair. the save streak thing or whatever? Beautiful three-piece suit, Godfather <laughs> lines and, and picture of the characters inside. Just, a, a, I don't know, undervalued player in the league. You know, he's, he's not a goal scorer, so he doesn't get the same type of hype. <laughs> Hasn't won a cup, unfortunately. He's just but old, just, you know? Uh, Saying, I'm still good, though. Showing all these kids. It was funny watching the save streak and uh, Vasilevsky just kind of had this look like, what the fuck? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you kind of knew score. it was coming though. Well, the funny thing too was it was his t- Stamkos. If Stamkos would have scored, it would have uh, prevented Lundqvist from, from beating the streak. I think he was either tied or about to tie it and just ride into the pad and <laughs> Lunkwas made all those saves after. <laughs> Just come at me. That's funny. Robbie, were you nervous when you saw um, that picture of uh, Carlson with uh, Stamkos? Nah, I just think it's like, just let, hopefully he does his job and gets San Jose to, to the Stanley Cup. <laughs> there you go. Do you have anything else that stood out to you, Robbie? Uh, yeah, I, I would love to see Chris Letang, Matthew Barzal, and Sidney Crosby play more together. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Doesn't seem likely, unless seem we're talking likely. about future All-Star games, or I guess yeah. Team Canada. But uh, Well, Team Canada. Uh, but And also, I guess, kudos to the NHL for letting uh, two representatives, representatives from Team Canada and two representatives from USA Hockey represent the Women's League. League there right. too, so I think kudos to them. Yeah, I definitely did want to talk about that a little bit, and we'll talk about um, Kendall Coyne and uh, her NBC thing in a second. But I read an interesting article on The Athletic, and I'll see if I can find it because I want to give credit to the author. And it seems to me like coming out of the All-Star game, that was the thing that everyone was talking about, right, was these women that – competed in uh well Kendall Coyne competed in the fastest skater but Brianna Decker was right up there I I think her official clocked time was uh third uh, amongst like people that actually did it and so like there was a lot of hype around these uh female athletes going into it and so the question that was posed in this article if I can find it was like, how do you build off of that momentum? How do you take and and build the women's game from that? And I'll let you guys kind of answer that while I find this real quick. Well, I feel like the, the NHL or the, the women's game, it kind of started pretty well if you get um, some of these players in talking hockey to start. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, was it Brianna? Is that her? Wow. Brianna Decker was the one that did the passing contest. Passing. Ken- Kendall Coyne was the fastest skater. That's right. Kendall Coyne was on she, NBC. She did the NBC game. Um, yep. But I feel like if you get more athletes like that, more women skaters, because I feel like the biggest thing going against it partially is is this sexism of it, of like, oh, well, it's women. Like, what do I care? Um, but also I think it'd be cool with ESPN and the ESPN Plus starting to carry – um and 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 it, uh, NHL NWHL or, game or, a night yeah. if they started doing an NWHL game or a, a 
CWHL game. Um, And it, I mean, they can just, picking and choosing, you can just pick the prime games that might, you know, shape up to be the best. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you pick games uh, that will have these players in them, at least it gives it like a known name. Like, hey, remember that girl you saw, you know, at the All-Star game, come see her actually play. You know, right. this day, this time, only on ESPN Plus, and I think that would be a good way to to start growing the game to more of a everyday type audience. Because, I mean, any if, if a game's on, people will watch it, right? And I feel like that's just the first way, best first way to go about go about it. Yeah, and I will say too to anybody that is listening to this, uh, if you are interested in watching NWHL games. I, I think pretty much all of them stream on Twitter. So uh, I know I've watched a couple games this season, just, just like one or two. Um, but they, they do pop up on Twitter of like events that are happening uh, when the women are playing, for the NWHL at, at least. So yeah, I found this article. It, it was uh, by Haley uh, Salvian on The Athletic. So if you do have access to that, I recommend reading it. And it kind of outlines some steps of like what needs to happen for the women's game to to grow from here. And big one was a combination of the two women's leagues, which is something that people have been talking about for a long time. But the thing that was interesting in this article as one of the, the key things that needs to happen is the support of the NHL. And I'm curious what you guys think about that as far as the NHL fully backing a combined league, maybe like a, a women's national hockey league type thing. How do, do you think that would be enough to, to kind of boost the game, to get people watching, to get eyes on it? Or do you think that, like, Kendall Coyne's NBC appearance and just seeing what happened with uh, Pierre Maguire between the benches and just sort of, like, the way he casually almost, like, dismissed her hockey knowledge despite her being a five-time gold medalist um, at, like, the World Championships. So she's got an Olympic gold medal. Do you think that, like, that is basically the way, like, I don't want to say Pierre is representative of hockey men, but he is sort of instructive of how they think, in a sense. So right. like, I wonder how much an, the NHL's involvement would actually help with that when the way Pierre handled that situation seems to be pretty similar to the way hockey, or men in hockey, men in power in the NHL seem to think about women in the women's game. Well, actually, I just got an addendum to uh, Ryan's. Mm-hmm. I just fact-checked just to make sure that that at least what I was going to make a point didn't already happen, and it did happen. But I do think that it would kind of help, too, to get more female coaches in the NHL, too, as well. Sure. I think I think uh, just – I'm just reading Dawn Braid. Uh, Braid, I hope I'm pronouncing her, her name correctly. But she was hired as a skating coach. Like maybe maybe put her into like an assistant coaching ship or something like that would definitely do a lot when it comes to strategy. Yeah, I well, aspect. I feel like not only if if you're gonna grow the game, you and and I see what you, I agree with what you're saying, Robbie. Um, but I feel like they would need to be in positions where you would see them on the television. And, and that's why sure. I say like the assistant coach position. Right, right. and you yeah. need to see them behind not the like bench. A, not like a skating coach, but like a. Yeah, right. And I'll I'll add to that too that like well that's great. I think that one 
skating coach becoming an assistant coach isn't necessarily just the change that that's needed. It needs to be more wide sweeping in like, and it's it's a little it's little things because like when um, Edmonton fired Shirelli, right? The comments all coming out out of uh, Edmonton were like, okay, we're gonna do a search, we're gonna find the right man for the job, and it's like, yeah, no shit, they're gonna hire a man. We all know that, but at the very least, you could say the right person, right? At least you could you could include women in your search. You could at least be inclusive, like you're talking about, not just like one coach being right. an assistant coach, but saying like, we're going to be dedicated to at least, whether we end up hiring someone or not, and they definitely should, but like, we're going to consider women for these roles because they do have that hockey knowledge and they should be considered for it, you know? Right. One one thing I think would be interesting um, is if you took maybe some of the the cities that already have uh, women's a, a professional women's hockey team in it Mm-hmm. and got maybe either a player or um, whoever, like just some representative from there or a, maybe a retired player or former player that played for that city um, and had them do color commentary or radio yeah, commentary for the men's games um, just to gain exposure. Because I feel like sometimes people don't even realize there's you know teams in certain cities or there is that women's hockey league. And I feel that, um, we really only hear about the women's team and their plight every four years or every three years, right, right before the Olympics or leading into the Olympics. And then everyone kind of is obscured for a little bit for, for the next, you know, two years or so, three years or so. And then it's kind of like, oh, wait, that's right. You know, look at all these women doing these great things. Um, and we're doing our obligatory coverage because the Olympics are coming up. Um, so I feel like if we got at least... I feel like that'd be a good, you know, stepping in point, I think is what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. um, to start to grow the league. Because I know financially it'll be hard um, for the women's leagues to, to kind of combine um, and to really expand at the moment. Right. Purely because there isn't that fan income coming into all the games and, and extra money being spent. And I guess from a business perspective, I'd understand if the NHL was hesitant to kind of step in and be like, all right, we're going to run a women's league as well. Right. And especially um, while there's two operating, like it's hard to choose sides. Right. Exactly. And so I feel like, I, I mean, I understand the NHL staying away or at least holding off. Um, Cause I can even understand the backlash if they did take it and be like, Oh, well the men are coming into the women's league and trying to, to run a league or um, right. I, I could see that becoming a, a story or a backlash, but like I said, I feel like if you brought them in more into the the, the games, um, the way they're doing the PK Subban thing on ESPN Plus, uh, where they're kind of showcasing PK, um, mm-hmm. maybe if you did more of that with just the, the athletes in the women's league and showcased kind of like, yeah, and there's some good personalities daily thing. in the league, right? Yeah, like Hillary Knight could totally do that. Exactly. There's plenty of personalities. Um, even if you just did a, a team and just all right. There's, there's a few enough teams where you could do a couple seasons of like, all right, we're going to just follow this team this season mm-hmm. and follow certain players on the team and just kind of give them that exposure in between the Olympics to where then it's not a, oh, wait, that's right type of thing and more of a, you know, hey, I really like this, this person. I'm going to follow what they're doing, follow their career kind of thing. Right. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And we should say that uh, good on – 
some of the NHL teams and their owners, like uh, the Pagulas in Buffalo and, and the Devils and, and Bruins, all do support their local NWHL teams. So there's like a partnership between them. So the Devils right. will have their Riveters night where they have a Riveters game before a Devils game and you can buy a ticket that gets you into both games. Uh, I know that like Jeff Skinner uh, in interviews will sometimes wear like a Buffalo Buttes hat. And like that's mm-hmm. that's huge because people watch that shit for some reason. People watch players being interviewed on practice days and like seeing a guy like Skinner who's really captured like the imagination of the fan base there in Buffalo supporting the local women's team. That's pretty huge for, for them. And I, I, it would be nice to see a little more of that throughout uh, those cities too. Well, we are uh, kind of running high on time here. Is there uh, what else do you guys kind of want to hit on? We got like 10, 10 minutes or so. Is there anything you guys want to, uh, well, well, actually, I, I was kind of thinking a little bit about the uh, women's women's teams too, as well, and uh, just like that. But I, I almost was kind of like thinking about it more so through a culture point of view. Sure. Just because, mm-hmm. just because, like I, I'm looking at the owners, I'm looking at the coaches, and all that. I see that a lot of these these guys go to like the same country clubs, they go to the same same restaurants, they go to the same area, and so. They just need to maybe, maybe for example, I do know it's uh, it's you definitely get a big backlash whenever you do have something different getting involved. So you kind of got to break that country club. Like I'm gonna pick the people who are going to the same country clubs or the same areas that I'm going to. Break into the old boys club is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Start a new country club. I like your idea, Robbie. Or or just simply. Open uh, or just simply just torch the old, at least at least remake it, remodel it. And, no, I hear you. I definitely hear you. Yeah. Yeah, and um, anything else? And maybe, and maybe like, how much of it should also be the NHL players to as well taking taking a stand on it? Just because I look at like a potential series I'd love to see is the Kessels, for example, seeing Amanda and Phil. Which one? We'll beat each other in like different shot competitions or something. That would like be that. fun for like next year's All Star game. But like invite Amanda Kessel and have them go head to head and just like, I don't know. I was reading 31 Thoughts and I don't know if you've listened to the podcast at all that they do, but uh, they're talking about how next year's All Star game might be the last All Star game for three or four years because the year after that they're going to try and do a World Cup and then there's going to be an Olympics and then after that they might do like a Ryder Cup thing. And so it, they're talking about bringing out, like, the specialist. So maybe a guy like um, Carl Haglin gets invited to do Fastest Skater or whatever it might be, you know. And, and they're talking about inviting more of the women's players, which would be cool. I think that would be a, a good idea for them to do. Yeah, and, and also, too, as well, I also kind of got to have to say this too as well, but the NHL, if you are going to bring on more female coaches, just be prepared for the backlash. That's all I have to say. <laughs> sure. Well, I think a lot of that comes with like supporting the leagues too, right? Well, so you well, support I, I the women's so too, leagues but... and they build up coaches through there. And it's the same thing. Like we want more Europeans to be hired as coaches. We want more college coaches to come up and we need a place where women can coach 
the NCAA is an option for some women, but a lot of those teams are still coached by by men, yeah, men yeah, as yeah. well. So we need to to support that at the lower levels to build that up to a point where there are candidates that are female for the coaching positions that have the same qualifications that men coming into those positions have yeah. as well. Yeah. And, so I and, think that kind of thing's important. And I'm on board with you too as well. All, all I'm just saying is is I, I I'm definitely on board with you right there. It's just that unfortunately in this day and age, like whenever you do see a woman, for example, get into a position of power, or take a pretty big stand or do something like that, just I've I've noticed that the attacks on them get a little bit more vicious sure. and even more targeting of even the people who are not women who are supporting them too as well. So I think some of it does have to do with maybe it's a societal issue too as well. Right. Maybe, but right. I, I feel like maybe you got to think that if, if it is getting more vicious, it would only be because they're feeling more threatened, you know, like, oh, no, yeah, this I, is working. They're, I, I got to lash out. Too, I, think. I think if you ask me, like, that reaction is just their last grasp of, well, we have all the power. Now it's now right. it starts to Go away. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but I, I, I just had to point that out too as well before we we ended out. I think that's kind of a little important. Yeah, of course, of course. Too as well. So Brian, you were saying we're kind of low on time. Uh, only other thing I want to mention is you know just for people keeping track, I am no longer on the fire Carlisle train. I say keep him around and help let him help the team <laughs> crash and burn the rest of the way. And then my new thing is I'd like Dallas Akins to come in be the coach. I'm hoping that they interview uh, uh, Ricard Gronberg, the uh, Swedish national team coach, to come in and uh, maybe be an assistant or uh, or give him a shot for that head coaching job. The Ducks yeah. have a lot of Swedes. They have enough that Swedes. <laughs> yeah, make them feel at home. That's, that's the only other thing oh I had gosh. to add. And it'll be, so the Honda Center will be the Ikea Center. Yeah. And, it'll just and actually, Swedish meatballs and Lingenberry juice. Lingenberry juice. <laughs> yep. uh, speaking of Swedes, uh, I guess I have to congratulate the Ducks, Ricard Ra- Raquel. He's now engaged. Cool. <laughs> I, I did not know not, that. Uh, <laughs> not, I just saw it when we were doing the whole, like, Bell Let's Talk thing, but... <laughs> I guess congrats to Ricard if you're listening. He's not, but. <laughs> All right. Well, that was uh, that. That's gonna be the show. <laughs> um, like I said, we'll try and get more of these show. out to you guys. Uh, be more consistent. I know once we get back into the swing of things, this yeah. this episode was a little rusty, but uh, once we get back to the swing of things, things will start coming out a bit uh, smoother. Always fine. Always fine. Alrighty. So uh, we'll catch you guys next time. All right. Bye, guys. Good night, everyone.